Well, good morning, Grace Bible Fellowship. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Welcome to our church, to our live stream special. Welcome to those of you who are live streaming us this morning. And, uh, you know, who would have thought that we would be here even just one month ago? Who would have thought that we would have been in home groups live streaming our service because of uh, a virus? That we'd be talking about things like social distancing and uh, being self-quarantined. And this morning I thought it'd be just good to take a few minutes just to say a few things to help you out as you think about what we're going through and, and all that's happening here. And the first thing I want to say and remind you of is just that God is in control. God is in control of everything that's going on. Satan didn't sneak some virus past God. The, the coronavirus isn't outside of God's meticulous care for his creation and for his people. And the government's response, even the government's response is in God's hand. The way that, that the authorities and the nation and the world are responding to this is also part of God's plan. Listen to Isaiah 45 and verse 5. The Lord says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. There is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. The Lord, Yahweh, creates light and darkness. He makes well-being, that's the Hebrew word shalom, peace, but he also creates calamity. That's the Hebrew word ra, which means bad or evil. And so the Lord says here that he creates even evil. Light and darkness, peace and calamity, those form kind of two ends of a spectrum, two opposite extremes. And, and what that means is what's happening there is that God is saying that he's in control from one end of the spectrum to the other end. Ecclesiastes 7.13 says really a very similar thing. It says, consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other, so that man will not find out anything that will be after him. Adversity there is that same Hebrew root, ra'ah. It means evil, wickedness. And here it refers to evil circumstances, what we might call misfortune or Trials. These two are the work of God. Adversity is the work of God. And Job recognized this too, didn't he? He said to his wife, Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. That's Job 2.10. Now, I can't get into all the theological nuance of all this right, right now this morning, but I do want to say a little bit, these verses teach us that God creates, that he works, that he gives evil. Now, other scriptures teach that God is holy and righteous and absolutely separate from evil. James 1.13 tells us that God cannot be tempted with evil. God is so far above us that, even, that he can even plan evil for the good that it will accomplish. Even though he's always the ultimate cause of evil, God is never the direct cause of evil. And so when God works evil in the world, he does so with the purpose of accomplishing good through it. 
Whereas when Satan or evil men work evil, they do it for wicked purposes. Joseph recognized this as well in all his trials. He said in Genesis 50, verse 20, As for you, speaking to his brothers, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And so God is in control And he has a good purpose in all of this. Everything that's happening with this virus, God is in absolute control. And we can trust God in adversity because he's in control. His good purpose in trials and adversity is is to cause us to know him more, to cause us to draw near to him. It causes us to rely on him and to produce spiritual fruit and growth in our lives. And what this means for us is that We who know the Lord, we don't need to worry. And that's really the second thing I want to say here is that there is no need to worry or to fear. If we believe that God is good and that he's in control, we can trust him, whatever is happening in our lives. The world is in a panic right now because they have lost the control that they thought they had. God snapped his fingers and everything in the world went crazy. Everything in the world, everything that the world trusted in, Disappeared health and jobs and financial security and retirement plans. God has taken all those things away everywhere that the world turns to for security. But for us, our security is not in the world. Our security, our confidence is in the eternal, unchangeable, all knowing, all powerful God. And 1 Peter 5 7 tells us that this God cares for us. Therefore, we should cast all our fears and all our cares on him. We do have cares and concerns, but we bring them to the Lord. We don't carry them ourselves. Our lives are in God's hand. And because we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, we can bring all our concerns to God, and the peace of God guards our hearts and our minds in Christ. Jesus himself tells us not to worry, not to be anxious. If God cares for the lower creation, the grass and the flowers and the birds of the air, he will surely care for us. Our concern should be for God's kingdom, for God's glory. And if we worry about God's work, God will provide for our needs. And that brings us really to the third and fourth thing I want to say And they go together. On the one hand, God commands us to gather as a church body. On the other hand, he also commands us to obey the governing authorities. And how we decide what to do in this situation then takes wisdom. The governing authorities are telling us that it isn't safe to gather in large groups. The virus spreads quickly and is dangerous. And uh, especially the people with really already existing health conditions. And if too many people get sick at once, it's going to overwhelm the medical system. Now, I am not a doctor for sure. And I can't say whether the measurements that the government are putting in place are too extreme or too relaxed. I just, I don't know. But I can say this, that God has put the medical professionals and governing authorities that are making these decisions in place. God has given them their authority and put them where they are. Romans 13.1 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, 
and those who resist will incur judgment. God has put all these people in, in place, and especially in times like this, we should be praying for them. Now, these restrictions have been imposed on all of society. And the motivation for the restrictions against these gatherings seems to be to protect the elderly and the weak. And if the world is taking action to love their neighbors, how much more should we as believers in Christ? We're called to go the extra mile to lay down our lives for our neighbors. And it seems wise to me and the steering committee in this situation at this time to obey our governing authorities and to love our neighbors by not gathering in groups of more than 50. Perhaps by doing this, we will limit the spread of the virus. But that being said, I want you to know as well that there could be a time and a a place where we need to go the other direction on this whole thing. The society we live in doesn't recognize God and doesn't recognize his word. And as believers, we're commanded by God to gather together to worship and to fellowship with one another. And so there's a time where, in obedience to God, we must disobey our governing authorities. The government might not acknowledge the the importance of our spiritual health. And as I said, God commands us to gather together. Hebrews 10, 24 says, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is a command, and we must consider how to stir one another up to these things, to love and good works. The Hebrew believers were tempted to forsake gathering together because they were facing persecution. And the writer says, instead of of being tempted, instead of not gathering, he says, do the opposite. Don't neglect to gather together. We need the encouragement of one another, especially in trials and adversity. The early church was devoted to being together. Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And we too should exhibit this kind of strong commitment of being together. And live streaming doesn't quite cut it. Live streaming isn't Christian fellowship. YouTube is not the church. We grow spiritually and numerically by ministering to one another and by using our gifts in one another's lives. And so this separation hurts us. We, we long to be together because we're all born of the same Father. And if we're truly saved, we love the brethren. We want to be with them. We want to encourage them. We want to be involved in one another's lives because, again, we need one another. When the apostles were told in Acts chapter 4 not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus, Peter and John answered, Acts 4.19, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And again in chapter 5, the high priest questioned the apostles in Acts 5.28, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. And so a day may come where we need to decide that we must gather as a church in spite of the governing authorities, where in obedience to God, we must put aside our fears about physical health and gather once again to meet the needs of our spiritual health. And more than ever at a time like this, we're concerned about our neighbor's spiritual well-being. 
But right now, as for today, I'm convinced that what we're doing is the right thing. We're gathering together in small groups, small enough to be subject to the authorities, but large enough and as large as we're allowed to. And we're using technology. We, we have to stream our service, or at least we're going to preach the, or stream the preaching part of our service. And those of us who are sick are isolating ourselves. So let's keep as connected as we can while we continue to obey the officials that the Lord has put in place to protect us. Let's not fear or worry or give in to anxiety. The only one that we should fear is God. And the fear of God drives out all other fears. And what does it mean to fear God? It means to see Him for who He is, to turn to Him and to turn away from evil. To fear God is to know Him, to love Him, to worship Him, to honor Him with our lives. In a few moments, Rob is going to preach on the glorious Christ, the glories of our Lord Jesus Christ. To fear Him is to, to know Him and love Him and worship Him. We have an amazing God who's in control of all things. And if He is our fear, we have nothing to fear. This morning for our scripture reading and prayer, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verses 19 to the end of the chapter. And so if you have your Bibles there, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not, not, are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray together. Father, we pray according to what Jesus said in this passage, that our eye would be healthy, that our eyes would be focused on you, 
that you would be our treasure and that we would have our minds set on Christ and not on earthly things in this time. We pray that our heart would be with you in heaven and that our affections and our love would be on you and your greatness and not on the things of this world that cause us to worry and strain. Father, we thank you for your loving care for us, that you care for us more than the birds of the air and the grass of the field, and that you promise to care of us, take care of us and, and be with us in this life. Father, we confess that at times in this week we have been anxious and focused on the, the worldly things, and we ask that you would forgive us for that and cleanse us for that and set our affections on you. Lord, help us to focus on your eternal kingdom. Help us to set first our minds on the kingdom of God and on the righteousness that Christ calls us to, to live holy in this world. And so we pray that, that again, that you would work in our lives through this time and that by our example that we might win our neighbors to, our, to, to you, that they would come to see the, the peace that we have, that the peace of God reigns in our lives and that they would recognize that they too need that, that you alone are the one who can grant us security in this world. We thank you, Father, that you promise to protect us and care for us and that you are with us. And we pray especially for Rob as he comes to bring the word this morning that you would help him to exalt Christ and that we would see Christ for who he is and that our minds would be set on him and not on the things of this world. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.